This morning, we uh, pick up in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And in the very middle of the sermon, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's the very center of his teaching. And so we're going to get to that today. Uh, But first, let's start here at the beginning of chapter 6 and see what God has to say to his people through Jesus. Be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it, quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear Tiny Jesus, we just thank you for all the races I've won and $21.2 million dollars. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say that Powerade is delicious Mm. and it it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 Let's dig in. Holiness is more than getting what you want from God. Holiness is more than getting what you want from God. You better do this grace good so we can win that race. It's not how it works, friends. Holiness is God getting what God wants for you in your life. To bless you. It's the exact opposite of how many of us pray. But we, we get to this word holy and we think, oh my gosh, what, what is that? Holiness is simply living your life with God. Before God. Under God's loving presence. With God and other disciples around us. And as we do that, it changes us. It changes what we want. It changes our hearts. That's Holiness. So that when we come under God, when we live with God, we live with one another, it realigns our life to what God wants for all of us. And that's holiness. That's how to be holy. We're going to talk about that today. Imagine for a moment that God asks something from you or he has something for you. God has something for you. Do you believe that? Yes. God has good for all of his children. And, and I don't know how it works in your life, but for me, God will say something like this. He's like, Mark, well, I would like for you to do this, or I invite you to do that, or I have this vision for you to step into this. And immediately, two things come to mind. One, what's other people going to think about that? 
right? If, if you're at school this week and there's somebody over here that's been outcast and, and you're running with your friends and if you go and you leave your friend group to go to the person who's outcast, you know you're afraid that maybe you'll also be outcast. Or, or maybe you'll miss something with your friend group. But God is clearly calling you to, to go be with someone else today. Maybe it'll affect your work. And, and so the thing is, there are two things that come to mind when God asks us to do something. One, what will other people think about that? And two is, what's it going to cost me? Isn't that true? When God asks you to do something, he says, what? oh, I don't know. I mean, I probably should. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, wouldn't it be wonderful? But... What will other people think? And you, if you've been working more than 10 years, you know this. There are those days where you, you think, yeah, it's time for me to change jobs. And immediately think, yeah, but what will my family think? What will my friends think? What will my coworkers think? And what's it going to cost me? And Jesus says, you can be free of that. In me, you can be free of that. Imagine with me, friends, being free of the opinion of others. Wow, wouldn't that feel great? Absolutely being free of the opinion of others. Never again wondering if what you are wearing is okay. Never again wondering if what you said was pleasing or misunderstood. Never again fretting over your reputation. It is possible, but it takes work and intentionality in God's kingdom with God's people. Imagine living for an audience of one, that you only have one person to please. And your entire life. Wouldn't that be freeing? It's possible. And this one, of course, is Jesus. The one who knows you and loves you perfectly. Our master teacher. My name is Mark Foster. I'm the founding pastor here. I want to welcome you to worship. As we come before the greatest teaching you'll ever hear. Not mine, but Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. So we're three weeks in now. Week one was this. That the kingdom of heaven is available to who? Say it with me. Everyone. Now... I could stop at this point and do an entire sermon again on racism. It drives me crazy that I even have to say that out loud. You, you do understand that Jesus was a brown-skinned man in the Middle East, and he's our Lord and Master and Teacher. Racism has no place in the kingdom of God. No place. Every tribe, every nation, everybody's going to be at the same table with Jesus. Amen? Right? So wherever you go this week... Live it. Live it. Do not let an ounce of racism anywhere be anywhere around the people of God. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to move on now. Come on. Drives me crazy. Week two. God's kingdom enables us, really does, enables us to love everyone, even those who would will us harm. That's what an enemy is, isn't it? And, And again, if you're like me, if you've been in leadership much time at all, the reality is there are people who wish you harm. I wish that weren't true, but, but it's true, right? All you have to do is, I mean, I, this, this is tongue-in-cheek, but I, I dare you to open a Facebook account and, and, and say something that you, you hold as a deep conviction in your life. Somebody will troll you, won't they? They just mean people out there. That's just what they do. We got to get beyond that to where we can show love even for those who disagree with us, of course, and certainly even those who would do us harm. But you can't do it alone. That's something that only happens with the power of Jesus in your life. And as Jesus is doing this teaching, we we can never make these things that we hear in Jesus teaching new laws that are even more restrictive than the old laws. That's not what he's doing. 
Jesus is casting a vision here in the Sermon on the Mount of what is possible, of how you can actually live, where you can be a person of blessing, even in a world that curses. It's possible for you. And this week, we're going to learn how to do it. Jesus teaches us two things in the first part of Matthew 6. One, how to live, and two, how to pray. But, but he, he's going he's to be really honest about this and say that one of the things that gets us from the get-go is the respectability trap. He said, you know, we, we have our reputations um, to, to, to handle, right? What are people going to think of us? What are people going to think of the organizations that we lead or the people that we run with? And Jesus says this to us um, and to the people that were around him at the time. Beware of practicing your piety, your religiousness, your goodness before others. Say this part with me. In order to be seen, that's the point. In order to be seen. It's not whether they are seen or not. It's okay for people to see you doing good stuff. And you'll be, this should really be bothering you at this point. Because if you go to our church, every week we say, go out there and let your light shine. Right? So that they may see your good works. It's okay for people to see them. Why, though? In order to give glory to God. Right? So it's not that, that it's in order to be seen by them to lift you up. No, no, no. He says, then you have no reward from your Father in heaven because you've already received it. Right Now, here's the thing. If you're clergy, like me, um, you would be known as one of the scribes or Pharisees in Jesus' day. And, and our lives right, are to be noticed by others. But we have to be careful that what God's calling us to do to help someone is to help someone and not to be on the front page of the paper. Or for an Instagram post. Or to be put on Facebook. Right? The reason they did these things was to be noticed by others. And what Jesus is saying is, what matters is the intention of our hearts before God. Why are we doing the things that God asks us to do? It's not whether or not they happen to be noticed or not. It's okay if they are. But you don't do them so that you will be noticed. So that you get lifted up and puffed up. So, Dallas Willard puts it like this. He says, it is not, are we seen doing a good deed? But are we doing a good deed, say it with me again, in order to be seen, right? So here's, here's the thing. Have you noticed all these awards up here? Well, I love these awards. I mean, here's, here's a service to youth. There's only, there's only one of these given out in the whole greater Oklahoma City area, I think. And it was given to us in 2018 and in 2016. And we got these other awards in 16 and in 15. And this year alone, I just want you to know that your pastor's a goal buster. I had a goal and I busted it. With your money. <laughs> that you gave at Christmas. I mean, I didn't have to do anything with this. But you know, as I was, as I was asking Jeff to write the check, I don't even write the check, um, you know, to get my award... I leaned back in my chair and I thought, if only I had one more plexiglass award to put on my desk, people would think I'm important. And I, and I you know, and, and a number of years ago, back in 2010, we had a group go to Haiti. Some of you are here that went to that and, and built a school. And I know that as they slept those big cinder block, you know, blocks and they were making that school and they're blessing these kids, they thought, if only I'm going to do this so I can get a plaque on the church wall. And put up. That's why I do these things. And, and we, we, we put in our 24th water well. And people are like, man, if I don't get a plaque, I'm going to be mad. Isn't that silly? 
It's ridiculous. Nobody does that. Now, is it okay that we have these? Sure. Is it okay that you know about them? Sure. But, you know, if you really want a plaque, pay your 25 bucks and go to the trophy shop. I mean, make it up for whatever you want to. I'm a cool guy. I'm giving myself a plaque. I mean, whatever you want to do, that's fine. Just craziness. But, you know, when I was in college and, and maybe even in high school, have, have you ever had those things where you have to have so many points to be in National Honor Society? Or you have to have so many this or so many that to get the award at school? And it always bothered me that we would have like a work day. We would, we would and still, I went to school in Stillwater. We were up in Stillwater and um, we, we worked on something called community service in my fraternity. And, and it was one of those things, and you could almost set your watch by it. There were the guys that were just good guys, and they would be there at 7 a.m. when the thing started to help out. I mean, pick your deal. It was either sorting clothes or feeding hungry people or cleaning up flood waters or whatever. And, and the thing was like from 7 in the morning till noon. And there was a set of guys that were there. But then there was also a set of guys that showed up at 1145 to check the box and get their photo with the paper. Do you see the difference? Don't, don't be those 1145 people. You get your reward. Oh, you're in the paper. You got your reward. Okay. But, but you don't have the respect of anybody else around. You're just checking the box. You're doing it for the award. You're doing it for the accolade. You're doing it for the whatever. And sometimes it's real money. Sometimes it's scholarship money. And they're just getting by. They're doing their thing. They're not in the spirit of it. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. And here's the, here's the terrible thing. If you get busy enough, you won't mean to, but you'll be that 1145 guy. I've been that guy. Not because I, I wanted to do it, but, you know, I had three other things before that, and I was just trying to fit it in. I was trying to, you know, check my box. Haven't you ever been there? Or maybe you've done something really great for someone. I know I have. I've, listen to me. I've done great things for lots of people. And I didn't think, and I thought, you know, this is really great. I love that. And then about three months later, when I'm really tired or I'm just having a bad day, I think to myself, I didn't get a thank you note. I didn't get a message on, on Facebook. Nobody, they didn't even like that. I mean, I, I, I mean, that took me a lot of effort to do that. And they didn't even, they didn't even thank me. Now, I know none of you would do that. It just this happens to me from time to time. You know, when I'm not at my best. And, and Jesus says, you got to get free of that, friends. You don't have to live like that. You can actually be free of it. And he says, this is how you do it. This is how you live. And then Jesus is great at this. I, I want you to notice in your Bibles that when Jesus does something three times, he means it. And he often will do this in his teaching. He'll give you three things. And he does this all the way through this part of chapter 6. And he, he'll say this. If you, you can highlight it in your Bibles. He'll say, when you do not. And he's contrasting with these scribes and Pharisees of the way they lived and the way that people under Jesus' love and protection don't have to live anymore. He says, so when you give to the poor, that's what alms is. Don't sound a trumpet before you go as the hypocrites. Now, I'll remind you that around here we use hypocrites as sort of a dirty word, like you don't want to be that. Jesus isn't doing that here. Jesus is simply saying, you know the theater actors down the street? Yeah, don't be like them because they're just play acting. It, he wasn't mean-spirited mean, mean about it. He was just simply saying, you know the play actors who put masks on to play a part in a play. 
do, as they do in the synagogues and the streets so that they may be praised by others. I tell you, they've received their reward, and they have. But when you give alms, when you help the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Well, what's he saying? When you give to the poor, don't embarrass them. Don't use them. Right? Just help them. And so if you're giving to somebody in need and they, and they really have a need, um, and, and there's, there's a photographer around, shield them from that. You're not going to use them to lift yourself up. You just say no to that. You're not going to do that. Does this make sense? You would never want to lift yourself up on the back of somebody who's hurting to show your generosity. That's gross. Just don't, don't do that. We, we don't do that as people of God. And then he says, and whenever you pray, again, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. Why? Say it with me. So that they may be seen by others. We don't have to do that. He says, truly I tell you, they've received their reward. So when you pray, you don't show off and you don't use a certain formula. Okay? Now, again, you might say, well, I mean, I don't want to pray out loud. Nobody does that. Friends, I guarantee you that a year from now, there will be people at prayer breakfast all over this country that don't pray regularly. Isn't that true? They just show up to pray because all of a sudden they need certain votes from a religious contingency. And all of a sudden they're prayers in public when the cameras are rolling. But not other times. I served at a very large church in Dallas and almost every senator and congressman or woman showed up in the month of October in that church. It just happened. I mean, you could count on it. Every four years, you'd be like, oh, yep, they're coming back. Here they are. It just happens. It's the way the world works. So Jesus says, when you're praying, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, again, around here, we would say, well, we would never do that. But I'll tell you this. I've had people, well-meaning people, really good religious people, tell me, that you have to pray in Jesus' name or God won't hear it. Is that true? <laughs> no, it's not true. It's not true. God hears you. God knows you. Now, Jesus is my Savior and I pray in his name because that, that's how I relate to God. And I think it's wonderful. But you don't have to. You don't have to. God knows your prayers. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. And if we're not careful, friends, and, and I want to be really serious about this. Some people say, you know, your baptism doesn't work unless you do it in Jesus' name, or it doesn't work unless you do it in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It doesn't work unless you, I mean, come on. God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. And if we're not careful, we will fall into a weird form of witchcraft where you have to use the right word. And what we're, what we're betting on now is incantation and not God's grace and goodness. Does it make sense? So, obviously, we want you to take care in how you pray honestly before God. Honestly before God. What you really need before God. That's what we do. You don't have to worry about, oh, did you say this or did you say it that way or did you use this formula? No. No, no, no. Be assured that God hears you wherever you are. Because God is close to you, even in a closet. Now, again, I have really well-meaning, wonderful friends who have a strong prayer ministry in their life where they go in their closet at 4.30 because that's what they think Jesus told them they had to do. That's not what Jesus is telling you you have to do, right? 
But if you are praying in your closet, God hears that too. God hears it up here on the chancel in the sanctuary, and he hears it in your closet. He hears them in your car. He hears everything in your car. And he loves you right where you are. All right? So he says, whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. He's going to hear you there too. You don't have to. It's not a show. It's not a show. But there's nothing super holy about your closet. I've seen some of your closets. Right? Nothing, nothing super holy about that. So here's the thing I want you to know. Prayer does not require a holy place. Because God can make any place holy. Isn't that true? Wherever you go can be a holy place. A place where your life is aligned with God's life. That's what holiness is. Nothing more, nothing less. Wherever you go. And then he says this, and whenever you fast, it's not if you fast, by the way. If you're a Christian, the expectation is that we do fast from time to time. He says, you don't look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces as to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. And, and again, and maybe you've known somebody, maybe during Lent, uh, they come into you know, youth group or they come into Ash Wednesday service and they're like, oh, are you okay? No, I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten all day. I can't wait till this stupid service is over so I can get back to my cake, you know, or whatever it is. You're like, I don't think that's what he had in mind, right? Because Jesus says he has food, spiritual nourishment that the world does not, cannot know unless they trust God with that. So he says, truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. Oh, you're fasting, boo-hoo. Right? He says, but when you fast, take a shower. Put on your makeup, look good, get dressed up, wash your face. Oil on your head was something they did to look good. Right? Kind of the opposite of today. If you've got oil on your head today, you want to get that off. Um, but in that day, it was a good thing. So wash your face so that you're fasting, again, not seen by others, but by God. God knows your heart and knows what you're doing. And he's going to reward you. He says, so when you fast, don't look miserable and whine. Rather, shave, shower, enjoy spirit power. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, it just did. All right. So what does Jesus say how to pray? Right in the center of this great sermon that he gives, this teaching. Well, first of all, it's about our attitude. That we pray as an expression of trust in Jesus, who knows our need even before we ask. We know that God knows what we need, but it helps us to ask. It helps us to get that up and out. And it aligns us with God acknowledging our need. And so then, the first part of the Lord's Prayer is, again, it's in three, right? Jesus gives us three reminders of who God is. And again, if, if you had your Bible and you wanted to highlight these, you're going you're gonna to see that he talks about your, your, and your, right? So the first thing that Jesus says that we need to be reminded of when we pray is that God is a loving Father whose name is honored as holy. This is who God is. This is the God that loves you. He says, pray then in this way, our daddy, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, honored, sacred, special is your name. So that's the first thing. We have a God who loves us as a father, perfect father. The second thing is, still focused on God, God's kingdom has come in Jesus, is coming now, and will come in fullness one day. So God's kingdom is both present experience and future reality. Are there broken things in this world? Oh, yes. Of course there are. But one day, we'll be at the table where there's food enough for everybody. And everybody means everybody. And then Jesus says this, your will be done. What you want done, be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what we know about God is he loves us, that God's in control, and that one day he's going to make this rebellious earth right again. 
It's going to be shalom. The places that are out of joint are going to be put back in joint. Those places that are crooked are going to be made straight. God is in this business, and we are to be a part of it with him. So that's who God is. And before we pray, we need to remember who God is, that this really is God who loves us and is in control and is working to make things right in this world. And because that's true, then Jesus says, and this is who we are. He gives us three reminders of who we are. And the first is this. We need to eat, don't we? You can't fast all the time. Most of us need to eat. We would like to eat three times a day if we could. So we need God to feed us physically and spiritually. We need God to fill us up. We're not gods. We're mortals. We're humans. And we stand in need of a loving and giving and wonderful God. The second thing is, he says, we need God to forgive our debts. Uh, we use trespasses here in the, in the um, traditional language. But we also have to forgive our debtors. And if we don't forgive our debtors, we won't really have the ability to ask God to forgive us. Because it won't be a part of us. It won't be in our character. So here's the thing. We need God to forgive a debt that we cannot pay. What Jesus is saying is every person that comes before a holy and loving God does so as a sinner who cannot pay our bill. It's true for every person. There's not any of us that are exempt from that truth. So Jesus takes as a fact that every person who comes before Almighty God does so as a guilty person in need of God's forgiveness. And God's more than happy to give it. And sin, as Jesus understood it, was this debt owed to God, not just to each other, but actually to God. That when we hurt each other, we are actually hurting God. And it's a debt so large that every human on the planet, could, none of us could ever repay it. So we need God's mercy. So prayer for God's forgiveness is unthinkable for one who is intentionally an unforgiving person. And so Jesus says, look, you're only going to be forgiven to the extent which you forgive others. That's the way it works. The more that you forgive others, the more you ask God to help you forgive others, the more you're going to be open to receiving God's forgiveness in your own life. It it works that way. You've got to have the inflow and the outflow. You you can't say, God, forgive me, but I'm not going to forgive them. It doesn't work. Because the truth is, you'll never believe you're forgiven until you also forgive others. It's about your own psychological uh, dependence and your own inability to do, uh, to heal yourself. God has to do that healing for us. But that healing comes through our ability to extend that to others. So, Jesus says the third thing about us is that all of us, you, me, everybody, we need God to rescue us from ourselves, from our pride, from our sinfulness, and from the devil. Now, here's the thing. When, if you read, uh, as, as we say the Lord's Prayer, we actually say it uh, it's not technically correct if you look at the Greek. And, and this is what I mean. We will say, and deliver us from evil. Isn't that what we say in the Lord's Prayer? The Greek actually says, save us from the evil one. That's the correct translation. And so we're not talking about just sort of some abstract evil overall. Jesus is saying we need God to save us from ourselves and also from the power that chooses to do us harm. That we need to pray for that. Because there is a power out there trying to do you harm. And, and God wants to protect you from that and from yourself. And oftentimes, those voices sort of interweave with each other. Your temptation and the devil's voice, they all kind of wrap up into one and lead you to harm or to harm someone else. And so Jesus says it like this, do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from, say it with me, the evil one. That's the, that's the actual translation. And so when we, when we do help, um, we want to do help and we can do it for the right reasons, but if we're not careful, 
there can be a temptation at the very end of that um, to where we, we kind of blow it. Like we were doing it for good, but then all of a sudden we want to make a name for ourselves all of a sudden. And, and Pastor John uh, took a group this week to do some good work. And, and he had a really interesting story that he shared with me on Monday afternoon. And I want him to share it with you because I think it's hilarious um, and really good. I'm really proud of John and his team. So take it away, John. Well, good morning, church. Uh, like Pastor Mark said, my name is John. I'm the campus pastor of One Church. Uh, One Church is the church within a church here at Acts 2 that meets on Friday nights in the other building in the chapel. And it's been a great ministry uh, week for One Church. On, one se- on Wednesday, uh, we got to go to Prairie Vale Elementary School. Uh, they went through some serious renovation and remodeling this summer. Uh, all of the teachers had to move out all of their desks, all of their belongings, all of their decorations. I mean, it was a really, really big deal. And so this week, a group of 10 of us from the church with our one church shirts, we got to go to Prairie Vale Elementary School and help all the teachers move their stuff back into their classrooms. It was a great morning of ministry. We made a huge impact. You know, we worked hard. We were sweating. It was just a a great time of ministry. And as we were leaving, uh, the secretary came up and she had been so kind and so helpful the entire morning and was just so appreciative. She showed us all around. and, And as we were leaving, she said, Thank you so, so much for coming. It meant so much, Life Church, that you all came and helped here at Prairie Vale Elementary School. And uh, if we were doing that for praise and approval of other people, that would have made us kind of mad. But since we were living for an audience of one, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to become more like John. <laughs> uh, I would have turned around and said, thank you, and pointed to all the shirts. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, how do we do this? How do, how, do we, how do we live for this audience of one? How do we do what God's asking us to do, regardless of what anyone else might think about it? It's a tricky deal. Well, here's your action step. This week, I want you to do an act of service or kindness for someone in need. Now, I know it's been in vogue around Edmond for a number of years now to, you know, as you're driving through the drive-thru, pay for somebody behind you or do this or that. No, like most people in Edmond are doing just fine. And, and if you're in our church, I want you to know whether you believe it or not, you're doing just fine. Right? So this week, I want you to keep your eyes open at school, at work, as you look around in your neighborhoods. Is there someone who's hurting? Is there someone in financial need? Uh, is there someone that, that maybe has an emotional need? Help them. Pray to God, is this the person that you'd have me help this week? And then do it. But, but do it in secret. Don't let them know that it's you. You, you might write a note of encouragement, uh, signed a loving friend. Um, don't be a stalker. Don't weird out your neighbors. But, um, you know, you could just say, hey. I'm one of your neighbors and just want to let you know I really appreciate you. It's been great um, living next to you and hope you have a great day praying for you. Uh, you might give cash to someone who has a financial need. Um, you know, there are people that really are hurting. There are people that don't have enough to eat. They don't have enough to get their kids. They, can't, they don't have enough money to get what their kids need to go to school this week and pay all their bills right here in Edmond. And, and you'll, you'll bump into these people. You will. Ask God to show you. Open your eyes and help them. Really help them. But let God be the one that knows what you're doing. And God will guide you. But I guarantee you, 
As soon as you have that nudge of your spirit where God says, yeah, here's a person I want you to help. You're going to think two things. Who's watching? Is anybody, what is somebody else going to think of this? They'll think I'm crazy if I do this. And then you're going to think, yeah, what's that going to cost me? Next week, Pastor Brandon is going to share how we get over that one. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you're with us and that you're all that we need and that you are good and loving and holy and righteous and wonderful and that you do want us to align our life with yours because that's where the treasure really is. And you teach this over and over again in your scriptures. And we pray that you'd make us people of your grace. And we thank you that you have taught us how to pray by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.